everybody to the topic, uh, the Franklin Health Department podcast. And today I am here with Tina Powderly. Um, Tina is the executive director for the Franklin Food Pantry. I'll give you a little bit of bio from, from her website. Um, Tina has 20 years of experience working in a variety of areas in the healthcare industry, including healthcare consulting, community benefits, hospital business development, and strategy. She has served on the Franklin Food Pantry's Board of Directors since 2017, including two years as its chair and currently the executive director. So welcome, Tina. Thank you for being on my first podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Definitely. You know, um, what, what I wanted this topic to be about today um, is food insecurity, because uh, I, I think that, well, not I think I know that through the pandemic, we've seen a huge increase um, throughout throughout the Commonwealth, you know, probably everywhere nationwide. Um, and I just wanted to kind of hone in on that a little bit with you, um, you know, because there is a lot more to food insecurity than, you know, just not having enough food to eat. Um, so I just, I just will start with a few, I mean, it's a great conversation, but I am gonna ask you a few interview questions. Sure. All right, first, um, I read on the Food Pantry website that in 2020, um, we saw almost 20% more households than in 2019, 34% of those new faces were children. And I was just curious, how was the Food Pantry able to meet the increase? In that need, yes, thank you, Kathleen. Um, um, the short answer probably is that we totally changed our distribution model to a curbside pickup, sort of similar to a traditional grocery store. Uh, before COVID, we had a shopping experience for the clients where they would come in once a month. Uh, now it's a curbside pickup. We offer a choice of frozen proteins and a choice of um, fresh dairies, including milk, eggs, cheese, butter. And uh, when we moved to once a week, was, which was really within a few days of that initial shutdown back in March 2020, we decided to initially allow folks to come once a week, whereas, as I said, pre-pandemic, it was once a month. So um, although we miss our previous model because that allowed for more client interaction and personal connection and certainly more client choice mm -hmm. in terms of shopping, I think it did allow us to increase um, handle that increase in our numbers because we do see folks coming multiple times in a month as opposed to just that once a week. Okay. And then we also tried to get a little more focused. We instituted a kids bag, which was modeled after the weekend backpack program, which we'll probably talk about later that's in the schools. Mm -hmm. So for our families that have children, um, each child gets sort of a kid friendly bag that might have um, snacks, fruit, prepared meals, um, those come through the curbside distribution. And then we also instituted a home delivery service because there were many folks who, um, at least initially in the pandemic, who had health concerns who really couldn't be out. Um, and what we found is that program's kind of taken off as clients um, go through the ups and downs in life. Have We have clients undergoing cancer treatments, we have clients who might be caring for someone for surgery and getting out um, to the, the distribution is a little bit more challenging for them. So we actually rolled out a couple of different new programs. 
Um, but behind all of that, I would say the real reason we were able to handle that is um, the staff, just the incredible um, dedication of the staff. It was really a demanding year in terms of the emotional toll, but also the physicality of moving thousands of pounds in and out without um, the help of our volunteers who we had to sort of keep at home to keep safe for a while. So they were the key. They were the key. That's they amazing. Key. Now, um, back to those little kits for the, the families with children, does each child get a kit or is it one per family? Yep, it's each child. So when you come kind of through our line, we sort of know through our registration process how many um, children might be in the household, um, but that can that can vary. And certainly with COVID, we, we've seen that vary a little bit in terms of living arrangements, um, but it is one per one per child. What are you seeing um, with living arrangements? Well, you might have um, families who, if they if there was an experience of a job loss, might temporarily be living with you know a grandmother, an aunt, that type of thing. Okay. Okay, very interesting. And um, curious, you receive donations from the residents. You also receive donations from, um, you know, I'm not sure other businesses. Can you kind of touch on that? Sure, sure. That has changed a little bit during COVID, just because of um, sort of safety and and in space, truly. Um, but our donations really, I guess. Um, there's there's sort of two buckets. There's the financial donations, and then there's the in-kind donations. So, um, gosh, we're so, so fortunate and so blessed in this community. You almost can't cover it all. But the financial donations, which really are the key for our operations, um, we are a part of the Greater Boston Food Bank. There's four regional food banks in the state of Massachusetts and they're geographically assigned. So we're a part of Greater Boston Food Bank and we place orders with them every, every week. Um, some items are free, some items are at a nominal cost, but extremely um, inexpensive versus trying to buy things at the grocery store. So when we say, you know, a dollar to us goes a lot further than if you were to spend that dollar at a grocery store, um, that's why. Um, but those financial donations are used to purchase, you know, all the items that we distribute or that our clients would have shopped for. They, um, you know, there, there is overhead. We have to put gas in the truck when mm -hmm. we take our refrigerated truck over to Greater Boston Food Bank to pick up the, at the loading dock every week. Certainly have to keep the lights on, um, you know, so th there's a lot of, of, a lot of costs um, that those donations go towards. Um, and those can come in everything from, you know, $25 from a local child who runs a lemonade stand. We have those um, to a couple thousand dollars from local fundraisers like um, the Daisy um, Disc Golf um, program. So and everything, you know, kind of in between. So our our community is great in thinking of us and sort of designating funds to us. Uh, and on the flip side, we have in-kind donations. So. We've had to scale back a little bit on that in terms of accepting product because we're, we are a little bit more limited during the COVID times um, in terms of what we can accept. If, if we, you know, back in the day when someone could shop, you could have 10 of one thing or 15 of another and it would move off the shelves pretty quickly. Okay. Now we're packing 100 and, and 
20, 130, 140 bags a week. And, you know, we're trying to have those be more uniform in terms of the contents. Um, so folks donate through food drives, but folks also donate their services. I mean, I cannot, again, um, we have to keep our, our sidewalk shoveled and our roadway plowed and put signs up for folks so they know what our hours are. Um, we have to service our truck. And so many of those things are donated to us and are so important. The business community has just been phenomenal. Um, COVID testing for our staff and volunteers because we were an essential service and we were out there from day one. Mm -hmm. um, that's been a donated service um, from a member of our community if and when we had a need for it. So really just incredible support. That sounds like quite the family. <laughs> it is. That's exactly the right word. That's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Um, I wonder if you could touch on the impact um, that food insecurity has on adults and children. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's probably um, it's it's it, it's probably difficult to wrap your mind around. I think how pervasive the impact of food insecurity is in um, in someone's day to day life. Um, it's, it's certainly the, the stress of worrying about where your extra, your next meal might come from, or having to make decisions about allocating resources. Um, and these are decisions like, um, do I ask my landlord to delay rent so that I have food for the children? Or, um, do I skip some of my medication? Um, but it also, um, presents itself in just how you're able to function. So um, how do you perform optimally at a job? If you think about if you don't feel well, if you have a cold, you're kind of at subpar for a few days. Um, if you are food insecure and you're not getting enough nutrients or balanced meals, that's sort of your operating mode. Um, mm -hmm. And that's very difficult. So helping your kids with their homework, supporting your elderly parents, um, again, buying medicine, paying for utilities and rent, and sort of in a kid's life um, from the very basic, basic kid's perspective, can you weather the ups and downs of teenagehood, which you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to go back to those years. Um, um, can you do your homework? Can you study for a test? Are you absent um, from school? So it really is, um, and, and we might talk about this at another point, food insecurity is, is one of the key, what they call social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's those aspects of your world that impact your health that aren't what you might think of as health related. Um, and it's a key. It's true. And actually, um, I, I also read on the website um, that you know these responsibilities and relationships that you need strength to to be able to do and 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 have that um, you know have the strength to you know look for a job help your kids with homework do better in school um, buy medicine I mean I was actually really moved when I read this um, and you know and, and here we are you know I'm a public health director and and I know about this subject matter but. I was still moved <clears throat> because I never, I never took it outside of what food insecurity actually means, right? So the definition Absolutely. is the definition, but but to to think that, you know, when you're hungry, you don't have the strength or the ability 
to do, you know, our, our daily life. I mean, all of this is incorporated under our, the umbrella of our daily life, right? So absolutely, that was such a huge message to me. And then when you just, you just spoke about it again, um, I just, I guess I'm so fortunate. I don't even have to think on those terms, but, but as a public health director, I, I want to know about that so I can focus outside of that bubble that, you know, I put food insecurity in. Um, so that's such a wonderful, wonderful thing to, to put out there, Tina. Thank you. I mean, and it's really, you know, when you think of it that way, um, you know, you, it's social determinants of health is, is one way. So those are the non-medical um, factors that influence our health um, outcomes, and they can be unemployment, working life conditions, housing, and you begin to see how so much of these interplay. Mm -hmm. um, and um, another phrase that they use that I'm sure you're familiar with is social capital. So if you have sort of um, a, a lower level of social capital, it makes it harder to overcome some of life's challenges. And by social capital, um, that might mean um, the, the friend or family network that could watch your kids after school so that you can take you know, the job that's best for your family. It might mean that you have the resources um, to weather a medical crisis or a loss of a job because you were able to accumulate some savings. And those are a function of um, a lot of big picture equity issues. So the food pantry system is not just a way to address getting food on the table, which is a critical immediate need, mm -hmm. but it's also a way to engage members of the community like yourself and others to address the, these bigger picture issues, which is what really moves people out of the food pantry system into a place where um, they're whole and happy and secure. Right. And that's our goal. It is. And, you know, as you were talking and I was listening, a word came up in my mind and it was shame. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, uh, DPH had um, formulated a program for a food donation box for anyone who was in quarantine or isolation and didn't have any access to, um, you know, food pantry or the grocery store or whatever. Um, and we only had one person um, ask for that donation, which the fire department delivers, picks up and delivers. Yeah. And um, when I was speaking with my public health nurse about that, um, you know, she said, there's a lot of shame in a person asking for help and for food um, and would rather go without than to yeah. admit that um, they, they didn't have access or ability to get food. So did you ever, I mean, can you relate to that shame or, or feelings of, you know, inadequacy or, or whatever that the families might be experiencing as well? Sure. I mean, I think it's human nature to um, want to be able to sort of stand on your own two feet and be successful. And I think there is a huge stigma associated with um, um, sort of the word food pantry and, um, or, or with that system. So, you know, what we feel like our job is to, is to try to alleviate that stigma as much as possible. So we really, really um, believe in, in um, one of our um, kind of internal initiatives this next year is to focus on some um, training around this, but it's, it's really about 
providing assistance um, that's appropriate for whatever that individual can handle at that moment or, or wants, but in a compassionate way, mm-hmm. because um, as we were talking earlier, it's, it's not that large a leap. It's one health crisis away um, from any of us really being in a tenuous situation like that. And, you know, I would say that um, every day we're really, that the people who come to us are really brave. I can't, I can't really think of another single word because you're sharing your vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and engaging with us. And sometimes it's simply food and sometimes it's more and sometimes it's just an ear to listen. Um, but, you know, we have some pretty, pretty incredible stories of folks who um, have suffered um, health crises, abuse, um, you know, just trying to put one foot in front of another and, and to ask for help, especially, I think, especially for parents um, who are provide, trying to provide security and positivity for their children. So we try to make it okay um, and recognize that, you know, um, that's what a community is here for. Um, we all kind of go on these ups and downs. So when you're in that down, we're there for you and we'll do whatever we can to, to help. Um, so what, um, what are, can, can you share a story, um, you know, from a food recipient or? Sure. Um, I mean, there's a couple things that spring to mind, um, really quickly, um, in turn, in general, um, you know, I'll start with some of the success stories, which we don't always get to hear sure. because we don't always know when or why, um, why our clients might leave us and, and we might not see them, but um, we've had a couple of instances, um, one from a volunteer, a longtime volunteer, and one from a staff member who have been out and about at local um, stores. And, um, you know, we try to keep everyone's privacy, um, at, you know, at the utmost. So we would never sort of approach anyone when we would see them, but they were approached by former clients who said, you know, do you, re- do you remember me? And of course, in both instances, both the staff member and the volunteer called them by name and said, absolutely, of course, I remember you. And both folks said, you know, thank you. It was just a small period in my life, but without it, um, I wouldn't have been able to focus on what I needed to focus on to get myself, you know, out of it. Um, You know, and thank you for supporting me with compassion. So those are the wonderful stories because you love to hear that people are kind of successful on the other side. And if you played a small role in it, that's even better. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there are also, of course, um, the acute um, incidences. We've had two recent fires in our community. um, And we certainly coordinate with um, the fire department um, to do whatever we can to complement Red Cross efforts or what might be happening. And, um, you know, we certainly reach out as soon as we knew that the fires were happening in, at, at both um, complexes, you know, we pulled our client data, we looked at who lived in those areas, we called them um, to see if they were affected, what did they need. So, you know, we're available there in, in crisis mode um, too. That's wonderful service. I didn't realize that the food pantry did that. Sure, absolutely. You know, anything they need. Um, you know, and then, then we have a lot of just really moving stories. We have one gentleman who um, comes with his 
two, this is pre-pandemic stories, of course, but mm-hmm. comes with his two grandmothers. One grandmother is housebound um, and, and can't really come. Another, um, so he comes to shop. He came to shop for her a couple of times this month. Um, his father couldn't take care of the two grandmothers um, with his current role. So he had to, with his current job. So he had to decide between, you know, taking care of the grandmothers and sort of quitting his job and looking for a new one. So the son shops for one, brings the other one who um, has some severe disabilities, brings her with him. Um, You know, it's just those type of families that are struggling and doing everything they can to support one another. So when you can help those folks. um, I mean, I could, there's so many, (laughs) so many stories, so many stories. Uh, Let me ask, uh, back up, backing up a little bit. um, When you reach out to the, the people who are in the fire, mm-hmm. are they open to receiving help? Sure. I mean, it's the whole gamut. Luckily, some of them have places to go, have strong support networks. They move in um, um, with with family and, and friends. Um, and some of them really say, you know, we need to, um, if, if we could have a bag of X, Y, or Z because we're at the hotel. Um, the folks at Central Park Terrace, for instance, got um, resituated, you know, fairly quickly. So that was, that was a good situation for them. Um, but they, it's just nice to, um, I hope, um, to have someone call and check in. So sometimes that means as much as whatever we could physically provide. That's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. And such a relief when they get that phone call, right? One, one thing I don't have to worry about. We hope so. Right. We hope so. So, uh, what is the food pantry's current need? Um, in terms of specific, I mean, certainly, of course, donations are, are always welcome because, like I said, that ena- enables us to sort of buy what we need at that exact moment. Um, but we do have a current needs listing up on our website. And the things that are up there now are um, coffee, which is a little bit of a luxury for people um, and, and can be very expensive for us. Um, not the K-cups, but actual ground coffee. Yeah. Um, goldfish crackers. <laughs> Those are great in our um, school program backpacks as well as our kids' bags. Sure. Um, salad dressing, any kind. Um, I will make a pitch here, two things. Sometimes we'll get really big, large bulk items like you might get from a bulk store. Mm-hmm. And those can be a little more challenging, especially during COVID because um, a lot of our folks um, might have health health issues. They might be elderly. So carrying large, big things is, is difficult. And then it's also, you know, if you're a um, senior living on your own, you probably don't need, you know, the, the giant size box of Cheerios. Um, and so we're always cognizant of trying to be efficient and waste. So regular size of items and just always check your expiration dates because um, we can't give out expired food. And again, we hate to throw things out. Right. Yeah, I had that experience um, about 10 years ago in one of the towns I worked in. I um, was located right next door. Well, actually, they were located right next door to the municipal building. And there was a, a elderly vet um, who would come to my office and say, I'm going to the food pantry. Can you give me a lift home? 
Um, and so I, you know, would go out there and, and get his, actually there were, it was a giant box, which I couldn't even carry. Right. Um, so I knew I had to have a couple of bags just to put his stuff in the bags and then take them home. Um, you know, and I, and I did that on a weekly basis for him. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have been able to get his food home. Right. Um, right. You know, so, so I, I, you know, I, I understand, um, you know, that part of it, right. Cause I saw that firsthand as well. Um, and it's a little different where I work now. Um, you know, I don't even have that opportunity to really work in the community like that. Um, each town and, and city is different, right? Yeah. So, um, yep. so yeah, so I, I've experienced that as well. Um, I think uh, I'm going to ask, what's the number one takeaway that you want the audience to absorb? Uh, we've sort of touched on it, but I guess it would be back to, um, this idea, this concept that food insecurity can really happen to anyone and is the result often of many pretty complicated factors. It's fairly rare, um, that we see someone who, um, had one thing happen to them and then, um, you know, they seek out some assistance. There's usually a couple of, a couple of factors that come together. And, um, you know, I, I think this community is great at that other piece, which is while the immediate need is to get food on the table, which the community supports um, through their donations, through their volunteerism. I hope we can spend a little bit of time talking about that aspect of our pantry. Um, but they do so with so much um, genuine compassion um, that you do feel like it's a team effort of, of just trying to help everyone in the community, um, you know, get to their highest potential. So, like, and like I said before, it sounds like a, a great family, but you know, that's a great transition. Do you want to talk about the volunteers and your staff? I do. I do. Um, you know, when we're, when we talk about kind of what's the impact, what has come to light to me in the last year during the pandemic is that it's really multi-pronged. So we sort of tend to think in terms of our neighbors, how many people are we seeing? Um, how much fresh produce are we giving? What you know, number of pounds of food? How many folks do we deliver to the, um, in their homes? And those are all really important. But um, I would say the volunteers and staff and, and the community, those two pieces have really, um, um, come to light as, as such incredible aspects of a, a two-way impact. So, I mean, our staff, I just, I can't, um, I, I can't say enough about the folks who work in that, in that pantry, um, passionate, um, live and breathe the work, um, really, um, feel like our neighbors are, our our family. We know when people aren't showing up, we ride their stories with them, um, so it's, it's a very um, moving place to be. And, and our staff are um, selfless, all part-time who, who uh, work, work way more than that and worry may, way more than that. Um, but the other aspect that has, has come to life is the volunteers. And, you know, we have hundreds of volunteers. And during the pandemic, especially, we had a lot of folks reaching out wanting to volunteer. People had more flexible schedules, of course, and time on their hands, unfortunately. And what we have heard um, as we're gradually bringing back our current volunteers, we haven't been able to quite yet open it up to new volunteers yet, 
Um, but to a person, those folks said to us how much they missed the purpose and the positivity that volunteering gave to them. Yeah. So, you know, we really learned that it's not just that the volunteers are, are um, providing a service to the neighbors, the, the neighbors are really providing a service to the volunteers. And there's something very um, real um, that comes with making a difference. And, you know, what we would like to do is, is spend even more time on that volunteer experience so that it's as rewarding as possible. Um, it can, it can be very hard work and we could never do, you know, what we do um, without volunteers. And that's true of, of most food pantries. Mm-hmm. So it really, it became so clear that it was such a two-way street, which, which I love. Um, folks were, were really sad. It was a grief process when they couldn't come in to the pantry for their, for their normal weekly shifts. So sure. Um, And I think during the pandemic, I think we were all looking for a feeling, right? So we looking for that feeling to give. Um, It wasn't, you know, we just, I I think a lot of us felt that way. How can I help? You know, and that's probably what you were experiencing as well with so many people reaching out. How can I help? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we needed to feel, feel good about something, right? Right. And you're looking for the positivity and I mean, it, it may sound ironic to folks who, who haven't been through our doors, but you really, there's, it's a pretty positive place. You, you, I don't know that I challenge someone to, to find, um, um, a day-to-day job that brings you more smiles and more, um, um, gratitude, I think for the experiences and the walks you have and your ability to just maybe make a small change in someone's day. So. Well, that plus, I mean, through the pandemic, it, it looks like, you know, you had to make changes of the, of the, your current model, um, but it, and it worked out and possibly you may continue working it that way, curbside pickup and et cetera. Yes. Some, you know, and, and I think like you also mentioned, it came to light, you know, how important your volunteers and staff were during this difficult time. So there's always, you know, I, I always kind of say there, there were some pluses um through the pandemic they really were there were some silver linings there were there were absolutely um so let's see here i'm gonna talk just ask you a few questions and then i'll um tell the audience what the franklin pantry offers okay question to you tell us something interesting about you that most people don't know Okay. <laughs> you had given me a teaser on this. So I, you know, I don't know that anyone would find me particularly interesting, but something that people probably don't know about me that I think has shaped me greatly, I know has shaped me greatly, was that my father was a helicopter pilot in the army um, for his entire career. So I moved a lot when I was growing up. Um, I actually, my mother and father are from Massachusetts. So this has always been a little bit of a home to me, but um, I've lived in Alabama, Texas, California um, twice. Saw, um, I lived on Edwards Air Force Base, so I got to see the space shuttle land a couple of times. I've lived in Virginia many times, Maryland, um, overseas in Germany. So that's, those are just the few I can remember. Um, and so as a kid, it was difficult to move schools for sure. Um, but as an adult now, I look back and it's really taught me an incredible appreciation for different walks of life, mm-hmm. different people, 
um, and has helped me learn to adapt. Um, so very appreciative of the experience. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that with us. Sure. Great. So I just want to let the audience know um, you can go to the Franklin Food Pantry website and find out what they do offer. But um, while I have this information in front of me, I'm going to just say um, they offer healthy future shelves, which provides nutritious and fresh food. Uh, the mobile pantry, which delivers food monthly to low-income housing partners. Um, the weekend backpack program, I probably should have asked you about that, but it's pretty clear. They provide weekend meals and snacks to children in need through a partnership with Franklin Public Schools. Emergency food bags are given to anyone who comes to their door for help. And holiday meal packages are provided for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners for our clients who request it. So I, I'm so happy again that you joined us today on, um, on the topic and we could discuss food insecurity and the wonderful impact that the Franklin Food Pantry is making on the community. Um, so I wanna thank you once again, Tina, for being here with us. Well, thank you for having us. And truly, um, you know, although we have such dedicated staff and such dedicated volunteers, um, it's it's the support of the community that allows us, um, and especially this last year, the generous outpouring of support from the community really allowed us to launch some of these new programs and, and help the community. So it's it's a full community effort for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. For additional information, please visit the Franklin Health Department website. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at cliberty at franklinma.gov. The music for the intro and exit is called Positive and Fun by Scott Holmes Music and is licensed under an attribution non-commercial 4.0 international license. You can also subscribe and listen to the topic audio on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Search and podcast for the topic.